I'm Julie. I'm Kristen. I'm Kate. And welcome to Topical Island. Each week, one of us will deep dive into a topic that interests us. Have you ever wondered how to become a Disney princess? Is diva behavior acceptable? And what does it have to do with the opera? Will we get to work from home forever, ever? Join us as we answer these questions and more. As each week, we will take you to a different topical island. Hello, island hoppers. I hope everyone out there is doing well. Kate, what have you got going on? Well, I just got back from a wonderful weekend in Banff. Um, Mm. On Friday, I drove up with a colleague. And so I sit on the executive board for the Association of Administrative Professionals. And so every fall, we usually do some sort of day retreat to kind of strategize our upcoming professional development day that we put on annually that comes in the spring and and Mm. um just all all get together and work on a bunch of different stuff so that was it was a wonderful day and then we stayed at buffalo mountain lodge overnight so they hosted us we used their conference room amazing food uh it was just really nice but then we also had the option to extend if we Mm. wanted to so i booked an extra night and on saturday afternoon Tenley and Nick drove up and we hung out in the outdoor hot tub and we went for an awesome meal and then just hung out by the real fireplace which is something that I love but do not have in my home and so (laughs) it was just really lovely and then we drove back this morning so it was a great it was a great getaway short and sweet but really cup filling so yeah that sounds amazing and especially these days when vacations are few and far between it's nice to get little escapes here and there it's awesome julie have you been doing any uh small vacations lately no in fact the story i was going to share is literally the opposite it is (laughs) being trapped in your home (laughs) stress inducing um being trapped in my home yes i think i've talked a little bit about how i have i have a couple cats and they are inside outside cats. They just, we live in a rural setting. They go, they, we, we got them to be mice killers, really, to put it mm-hmm. bluntly. Mm-hmm. And they do that incredibly well. However, as we're all aware, uh, cats love to present you sometimes with a gift of a dead <laughs> or half dead animal, which has mm-hmm. resulted in things like half of live mice or birds in my home because the cats have brought them in. Do they have free access into the house? Sorry, like, can they come and go as they please? Yes, which is such a double-edged sword because mm-hmm. it means I have never cleaned kitty litter, but mm. it means that, yeah, they can bring a little a little something through the kitty little, door. Just a little treat for you. A little treat. So last mm-hmm. night I was getting ready to join my family Zoom trivia night, which continues to go on, inspired by Kate's family. Um, But here we are a year and a half later. Nice. And so I was going down into my office to grab my laptop and grab my laptop. And as I'm exiting, I turn and I'm taken aback by a very, what I thought was the biggest mouse I had ever seen bordering on rat. Ooh. And it was dead, dead, dead. And I freaked out. I was very yeah, loud. My family is like, what is it? Because they just <laughs> been overreacting to a mouse and or bird, which we've seen many of. And, 
you know, we have, a, we have special ways of dealing with these things. Like we have a box for if you have to catch a live bird, we, we've gotten pretty good at it. And for the <laughs> mice, we have a dedicated set of gloves that are the mouse mm-hmm. gloves. And th- that's all those are used for. And you don't cross contaminate because mice and birds are absolutely foul and disgusting and carry disease. But I could not get over this thing. I look at it and it's so big and it has these nails and like it looks mm. like like a beaver almost, but miniaturized. Okay. And so I'm like, you know, just breathing through it. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it. I get, I get the dedicated mouse gloves. No, what's going to happen? I grab the newspaper and I, I wrap it up and I go to take it outside and throw it in the bush, use newspaper because that will decompose. And as I'm, as I'm leaving the house, David said, well, what was it? I, I'm, and I was like, oh, it's just, I think it's a really, really big mouse. And as I'm saying yeah. it, it drops out of my hand. It is dead. It's dead as a doornail. Thank okay, goodness. I'm just waiting for it to wake up. <laughs> oh, my God. I, every muscle in my body is tensed right now. I hate this story. <laughs> I'm sorry. See? I ruined. <laughs> but I need to know. I need your, to know all the details. Your retreat? No, no. You may as well not have gone on your retreat at this point <laughs> because this is so <laughs> stressful. And I drop it and David looks at it. And he's like, oh my God, that's a gopher. And it's oh. a pocket gopher, which are the kind that burrow and like cause like big mounds. Um, right. And basically they're like a tiny beaver. They have their nails or like two centimeters long. They're very long. Um, if you look them up, they look very much like a beaver, like a beaver face and a weird flat tail. And um, oh that's what I cleaned out. But can you imagine what if it had been alive? What if they had brought in this thing <laughs> and I just had a gopher in my home? Mm. Oh my God. Anyway, that I, 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 it's taken me, it's, it hasn't been quite 24 hours yet. I'm not, obviously not over it, but I don't know. There are days when I'm like, ugh, is not having to do kitty litter worth this? <laughs> no, it's not. I, mean, I, I don't think so. My decision for you. <laughs> I used to let my cat come and go and she brought one mouse in the house one time alive. And that was the end of that. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I'm pretty sure it was my very small female cat. Who's just a really good hunter or huntress. And um, so, you know, didn't have the nice relaxing hot tub retreat that Kate had, but you know, some excitement nonetheless. How about you, Kristen? Thanks for asking Julie. (laughs) Um, I'll just say something very neutral in the middle. I, uh, yesterday was a very, um, rainy day and I had a hike planned and all this, but it was like just rainy beyond. It was one of those rainy days where, you know, you're wondering if it's going to flood, like sidewalks are flooding, Hmm. whatever. Um, and so I stayed in most of the day and I watched a movie that I hadn't really thought of. Actually, I've been thinking about watching it lately. It's an old movie. I feel like I, my, I have to have like a nineties movie corner as part of our podcast, (laughs) but I rewatched as good as it gets. Do you, do you guys remember that movie? Is that it's Jack Nicholson? Yeah. Yeah, Isn't it? Jack Nicholson and Helen Hunt. Hunt. Oh, and Kathy Bates in a hot tub. Nope. (laughs) What movie is that? (laughs) What movie is that? No, is that that one about, uh, about Schmidt? Is that where someone's husband passed away? Yeah. 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 Um, No, this is a, this is just him being really curmudgeon-y older gentleman who gets away with things, saying things that I, I was, when I was watching the movie, I was like, Oh no, because it's stuff that you would not write into a script these days. But mm-hmm. um, it was good. I remember seeing it in the theater. It was, it's one of those movies where of course it's as good as it gets. And the whole premise is like, well, the 
the bit around the line is like, is this as good as it gets, which is something that happens to you later in life. And you do one day you ask yourself that question. (laughs) Not that I'm negative. And so I remember seeing it in theaters when I was like in high school and I was like, this doesn't make any sense. And then I rewatched it now at the grand old age of 36. And I was like, okay, I understand this. It resonates a little little more. Yeah. It resonates a little bit more. So anyways, uh, that was, that's one I don't normally see on like, you know, the movie channels. I might not have the right one, but if you have the chance, again, I, I had to purchase it off of my streaming service, but, um, or my cable, but it was a good one. Oh, okay. Good nice. to know. I don't really yeah. remember it. Yeah. That's what I remembered pieces of it and stuff. And so yeah. when it was ending, I was like, I don't remember what happens at the end at all. Right. Well, sounds like we've had a, a wide variety of experiences this week. And, um, I was curious, Julie, where are you taking us today? Well, you know it's a good day when lying in front of you, you have a censored but declassified CIA documents in front of you. Cool. Yeah. So in January of this year, Mm -hmm. um, I've heard it was in in the media um, that the CIA um, released a whole bunch of documentation related in and around UFO sightings. <gasps> yeah. Right. Don't get too excited because that's not what we're going to talk about. <laughs> but <laughs> we'll read about that later. <laughs> um, they are interested. Like I did go through a few at the onset of this research and, um, mm-hmm. and they're, I mean, it's not, it's not the, you know, back room discussions that we have, you know, that we see in the movies where we think that um, the CIA is totally knows what's going on. And, you know, they have, they've met with the aliens and area 50 51 <laughs> is sort of a safe space or something like right, that. Right. Um, no, yeah. it's more along the lines of like, you know, there's repeated sightings at times of year that mm. all seem to have very similar kind of light effects. Mm. So I would encourage everybody to go take a look at um, black vault is a kind of a, what would you call like they kind of put out documentation out there for people to be able to search and read. So they had for like 20 years now have put out a lot of what was available from the CIA through freedom of information act requests. So, and then Mm -hmm. the CIA published some of their own documentation freely. So I was curious, okay, so if the CIA is publishing this UFO documentation, what other declassified info do they have as part of what's called the Freedom of Information Act reading room. And so any one of us can go and I will put on the uh, in the show links today, you know, you can look up all kinds of things um, that they have declassified. But I wanted, you know, we are friends of animals, despite my gopher story. Um, Generally on this. (laughs) Well, you didn't do anything wrong. (laughs) It was already dead. Um, uh, Friends of animals. And I got The second I came across the section called Animal Partners. Okay. (laughs) I have a feeling they're not equal partners. (laughs) And specifically, I am going to take you into Project Oxygas. O-X-Y-G-A-S. So first of all, if I was going to be in the CIA, which I don't think I would because I think the CIA is a little bit dubious at best and has some certain negative track records. But, you know, when it comes to spying, I guess all is opportune. But um, (laughs) in the Office of Research and Development, 
in within mm-hmm. the CIA in the early 60s, they started to pursue three specifically different um, projects related to using animals as assets, basically. So, mm-hmm. of course, going back to Shoot the Messenger, um, mm-hmm. training pigeons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So we know, like, for um, everybody go back and give a good listen to Shoot the Messenger. Um, don't, we- don't shoot the messenger. Don't shoot the messenger. Thank you. <laughs> don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> and there was also Project Ketchel, K-E-C-H-E-L, where they were training dogs and cats. And then we come to Project Oxygas, where we are looking at arguably the smartest mammal on the planet, dolphins. Mm. What? Yes. As a partner? Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so... First of all, if I was going to work for, as I said, if I was going to work for the CAIA, I would like to be part of this Office of Research and Development because it kind of seems like you just throw some ideas out there. They're <laughs> going to give you some funding and you can go and see if dolphins could somehow help you spy. So, wow. oh, I mean, it's got to have a laser beam on its head. Right. So I will say right off the hop, as I read through this, the more I read, the less I feel like this is real. It is oh, so, okay. It's so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> and like, as I say, and you can both see, I have documentation here that's like yeah. censored. It's got like top secret, four eyes only, secret, like different classifications on it. And it's, you know, got little black boxes and things. And yet I feel like this is, this is, like, am I being punked? Am I totally yeah. being punked? It's so funny. So early, the early 1960s, the CIA begins researching the possibility of using dolphins as assets as part of this larger effort by the Office of Research and Development and the Special Ops branch. Mm-hmm. So they start out, so this idea kind of just gets out there and they find a contractor to work with. Um, the contractor name is obviously censored and not included. And a, a lot of the censorship is in and around names and locations that you'll see mm-hmm. in these documentation. But um, yeah, they decide that they're going to take on dolphins and see what they can do. So they start this off, they get the contractor and they want to determine the feasibility of using dolphins and other marine life in specialized operation situations. So this is a letter from 1964. And the right from the get-go, there seems to be a lot of promise around using these dolphins. And uh, later in 64, the uh, deputy assistant director of the Office of Research and Development goes to the West Coast and is very uh, impressed by the looks of the equipment and animals and people who are looking for a problem. And they are, yeah, so they're looking and they're trying to figure out how they can use the intelligence of dolphins and their abilities for different for different things. And so the CIA says, so maybe we should give them some further directions and some cash and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and get going on this. So they're even looking at the EEG patterns of the dolphins themselves, like how, you know, how do dolphins respond to stress, um, different things. So something that should be known is that in the 1960s, there had been the use of human swimmers to do different activities. So think of the Navy SEALs, right? Right. They 
plunge into the water and they're going to, and usually swim to shore and do something. But there was Mm -hmm. also maybe they would swim up to another vessel and do something. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a huge cost and, you know, people's lives at stake when doing that. Never mind all the equipment that they would require. So Mm -hmm. how are we going to use dolphins? Well, Project Oxygas was conceived for the purpose, and I'm reading straight from some declassified document. This one in particular is marked top secret. (laughs) Some of the other ones are just secret. This one's top secret. Uh, Was conceived for the purpose of exploring feasibility of using the bottlenose dolphin in underwater attacks against enemy ships. Attacks? Attacks. And I have a wonderful photo that will be on our uh, Instagram feed of an artist's rendering of what it looks like <laughs> to attach different, um, you know, maybe a bomb or something to a dolphin as it swims away to over to an enemy oh vessel. God. That was kind of my first thought. Like, it, so they're creating suicide bombers, kind of? Well, the, but the, you know, the, with the humans, at least, they have the ability to leave the bomb behind and like on a timer. And right. so now I will say there's nothing explicit in these documents that say whether or not the dolphin would leave it behind or how that would actually work. There was more concern about them actually being able to find a specific location, much like a homing pigeon, and to at a certain range and be able to, you know, come back within a certain range. Were they spying too? Or was that just was that when you said the spying thing, I was like, are you, am I jumping ahead? Well, it, it's, it certainly seems like that is potentially where this goes. Obviously, like, it, yes. I mean, I think they were looking at a variety of different, um, a different ways to use the dolphins. Yeah. And I will read you a letter from the technical services division where they go into details about all the different ways that could be a dolphin could be used and why this is worth pursuing. But mm-hmm. uh, in the early days, the oxygas concept and modest investment, which was about $100,000 a year, just, and that's in $1964, were considered more than justifiable, provided feasibility could be demonstrated to deliver a simulated weapons package over an open sea distance to a propeller of a moored boat. So at sea, the dolphin could go a certain distance and deliver a, we don't know if the dolphin stayed around or if it was just able to deliver and drop off a weapons package. There's many spillover areas of interest which will appear, which appear feasible, such as attacks on variety of ship types, harbor and coastal reconnaissance through photographic means. So here we are. Yeah. So maybe we can spy on them. And then certain types of resupply operations, placement of sonar, acoustic and seismic buoys, 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 you know, the little floating things. And placement of rocket detonation units. And then of course, there's a whole bunch of acronyms that I have no idea what they mean. And trace element collectors. So yeah, tons of potential here with our friends, the dolphins and what they might be capable of. So this is still early days of the project, OxyGas, but it's going really well. And as is known, the agency and Navy have spent considerable time and money developing swimmer delivery systems to accomplish the same purpose, pardon me. And noted here in this 1964 level that letter that those swimmer attack systems run in excess of $5 million for the swimmers and specialized equipments alone. So not only is human life versus dolphin life being put at stake, 
I mean, the cost is considerable, $5 million versus now when they were in the feasibility, it was $100,000 a year. So probably more once you actually get your dolphins up and running. Mm-hmm. Okay, so things are going really, really well in 1964, and they have these do- they have these dolphins. Yeah, there? they training they they're going through them, and he went. Um, the deputy director went out to the west coast to see this in action, and they were testing you know how far they could go and what they could do, and everything in these letters is like this is going way ahead of schedule. This is way better than we thought we could be. Wow. Yeah, and uh, so. A follow-up letter is saying, is, you know, just giving the progress report. Quite frankly, this project has progressed more rapidly than we anticipated. And um, and then this is where they kind of, and they're like, and, you know, we can uh, maybe join the Navy and maybe uh, share some budget. And they also have some operational text testing sites that we want to use instead of the, you know, what, what I assume was more mm. like a marina type. Where, where they were actually right. with scientists who are more um, actually working with the animals regularly. Hmm. So now, now we're seeing that it might be starting to get a little more ex- expensive. I think we can assume the cost of maintaining an operational dolphin capability would be considerably higher on an annual basis than the current contract of 100 grand. So as I'm reading this... Is that... Was that a quote, Julie? Quote. I'm like, I basically no. everything I'm reading is verbatim. And it, I just can't imagine, you know, when you think of these 1960s, like Cold War era CIA spies, that they're also like yeah. typing up these letters of correspondence, all indicated secret, top secret, fluorides <laughs> only, as about dolphins. Yeah. It's about dolphins delivering weapons packages. Weapons packages and, you know, placing sonar buoys and it's it's comical. Where is the movie? It is I need the movie. <laughs> I need the movie. All right. So so we're getting things are going really, really well. So the year is now 1965. So and this is when we're, you know, kind of debating, okay, do we start taking the and we I'm pretending I'm in the CIA here. Um, I've, <laughs> in 1965. I feel like I'm part of it because I'm reading through the letters yeah. as if they're to me. Um, but <laughs> but we're starting to see that, okay, maybe there is something here. Do we want to start running this up the chain? Do we want to involve mm. different groups? And uh, so the Technical Requirements Board is invited to see what they're what they're doing, how Project Oxygas is working. And they indeed found the presentation valuable and interesting. Uh, it sounds like there might need to be some modifications on boats just so that they can house and and work with the dof- dolphins a- appropriately. And that they're also going to need some appropriate what they call clandestine service officers should be assigned to the project. Now I'm going to assume that that's somebody with a little bit of like dolphin knowledge who is also has top secret clearance. Great. Mm-hmm. But you know, at the, this is their conclusion here. The technical requirements board can considers the effort to develop dolphins as emplacement and retrieval vehicles for use in clandestine operations warranted under existing conditions. So in the year 1965, they're like, yeah, from a technical standpoint, we absolutely have a use for these animals. So what do they do? They put together some specific. Now, this is the most censored document that I came across. So we'll see what we can decipher here. 
So number <laughs> one, atomic energy. Considering the likelihood of acquiring information through use of dolphins, the possibility of obtaining acoustic tapes of Soviet nuclear submarines, which will be free of noise from the receiving platform, perhaps is the most significant in the atomic energy area. So I'm guessing here that we're going to put some sort of sonar device on the dolphin. The dolphin will just simply swim by the submarine and we'll actually be able to tell what potentially through the blips and, and different um, different acoustic noises that they can hear to see if this is in fact an atomic submarine and what capabilities it actually has. Next. Pretty cool. It's, it's not bad. And then we get into literal, this is where it starts to get. And so... Um, logical sampling sites in several years would be blank. It's got a whole paragraph. So they've already started to identify some target sites where this could be used. And there are several locations blank. Um, But yes, what we can read here, however, is the short life of the currently available power supplies used in intercept equipment makes this less attractive. So we have a range issue, probably that the batteries aren't good enough to, uh, for the dolphin to go on like a really long swim. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's under the atomic energy. Then they suggest, well, missiles, but it's all censored. Something to do with missiles. Mm. We don't know something to do. Maybe that's your laser beam on the dolphin dolphins mounted with missiles to shoot. We don't know. We don't know. Julie, is that illustration that you got? Is it, um, was it kind of a joke? Or was it an actual, what they think it would have been? Uh, well, it's on the CIA's website, but it sure oh. looks like a joke. Now, is it, how substantial is this equipment? Like, is it huge? Well, it's... Am I, am here, I I'm, jumping you somewhere? No, I'm going to share my screen here. I'm just trying to picture these different assignments. <laughs> yes. And like, if, if, if a Soviet ship saw a dolphin, would it have very clearly be a spy dolphin? Right. All right. Are you able to see what I have here? <laughs> That just looks really sweet. <laughs> and secret is just crossed out. <laughs> this looks like a fireside cartoon. It's it, it does. Yes. So you can see that there is some smaller submarines okay. with a group of dolphins. Some dolphins oh, the are tank is where the dolphins live. That's where the yeah, there's what? a dolphin filled tank. Oh, okay. Okay. Um looks like they're dropping the missiles and they're not maybe they're setting them off, like sending them off. I think so. It looks like, cause they're just kind of lassoed to the, the <laughs> nose of the dolphin. And uh, I think a dolphin could easily drop that. Yeah. And, and be on their merry yeah. way. Well, also you'd have to take into consideration the amount of time it would take to train them. You wouldn't, necessarily you would want to get the most out of a trained dolphin you wouldn't want to that's good that's yeah. right send them out and then have them be a suicide very good point. that's that's very, very true yeah these are highly specialized assets well i hope uh, just in case anyone was confused we will post that on our instagram page if you want to follow along on that previous discussion yes and do take a look and i will link it in the show notes as well um the next use for dolphins from the technical services uh, board here is just blank. It's mysterious. The heading, we don't know the name of the heading even, but they've gone on to describe attach an acoustic noisemaker to the animal to test reaction. Blank, blank, blank. Oh, what does that mean? Are like luring somebody? I don't know. Observation of submarine installations through use of a camera attached to the dolphin. 
testing of direction, finding capabilities and reaction to a radio transmitter attached to a dolphin, and in placement of a sensor to establish movement patterns for blank, blank, blank. We don't know. There's so much mystery here. So, and then the last one, which I think is the most unfortunate, is biological warfare. So, dolphin possibly could carry a sampler for biological warfare material. This capability would be useful probably only in very limited sense and only in installations which would be near enough to the sea to dump either their waste or products of testing into the ocean. I sure hope we didn't move ahead with that one for so many reasons. All right. Okay. So things are really going well. There's lots of possibilities. (laughs) Well, you keep saying that. I'm wondering if things continue to go well. Well, this is the last letter I have. 1967. So we're grateful for the report from the technical services board, which outlined all these different ideas Uh, and, you know, and that they say that, you know, in current climate, it's, well worth continual pursuing of, of Project Oxy, yes. But, um, you know, is there operational justification for continuing the program? And if so, as to the new tasks for which the animal training and system design should be initiated, should we start looking at all those other ideas in addition to the basic, um, you know, sort of weapons deployment that we had seen earlier on? So, it is the view of the board that Project Oxygas should be oriented towards developing intelligent collection systems rather than maritime sab- sabotage systems. So what they're saying here in 67 is, okay, let's use them as spies and forget using them as weapons carriers. Oh, and the, Sorry, I didn't hear their logic. Did, or do they go on to say that? Well, they were just kind of saying like in present times with, you know, with the training that we've done so far, because we're you know, five years into dolphin training, um, what's Mm -hmm. the most, where's the most value? Um, And the board has been forced to conclude that it requires more specific information than has been available to date before it can arrive on a firm position. So unfortunately, it's saying, yeah, okay, there's some potential here, but we need a little bit more specifics about it. Now, of interest if for people who are who are following the story here, um, cats <laughs> and birds, there is letters showing not only that they were given like full go ahead, and there was even a target for one of the birds to take some photos in a specific location in Leningrad. Um, so those two moved ahead, but we end on a did they note with our friends the dolphins? We don't know. Wait, there's cats. I'm looking at my cat right now, and maybe you both are too. And I, yes, I need well, to read I, more about those papers. That's, it's because... an interesting one because I think we can all agree that cats aren't the easiest animal to no. train. No, definitely not. They're kind of known for being stubborn and doing their own thing. Very independent, and maybe that makes them just the best kind of spy that they. Nobody's thinking you're <laughs> right? training a Nobody cat. Nobody expects the cat. <laughs> But yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to end us on a cliffhanger here, but there's no firm documentation saying where Project Oxygas went. Is there dolphins out there who are taking um, readings of different locations that have either cameras or acoustic equipment attached to their bodies? I don't know. 
and we'll never, I don't know that we'll ever know. Now, I can tell you that these, the documents that I have been reading from today were approved for release in July of 2019. So I don't know oh, if that was the official end of Project Oxygas um, or or they just thought, well, maybe maybe it had ended some time earlier and they thought, oh, we may as well declassify these because these are hilarious. Um, well, I wonder if 50 years late, is it a 50-year thing or something? Do you know what I mean? Like, because it could be, oh. would it be 70-something if it was like 50 mm, you years have to let You have to sit on the information for so long before it yeah. officially let it go. release it. Yeah, hmm. good point. Although those alien meetings that didn't yeah. happen, I don't know, maybe that's not quite the same. But um, did you see any speculation online, Julie, anywhere? So interesting. Oh, um, I mean, it, it, it is very speculative. Um, I think most of it was there's there's not a huge amount. It's not it didn't get the same coverage that um, the UFOs did. But just a mm-hmm. few they were kind of looking at because the combined cost of Project Oxygas, which was dolphins, Project Ketchel, which was um, dogs and cats, and then the bird, which I think was called Project Tekana or Tanaka, um, the mm. bird surveillance. Um, between those three in the 60s, they were spending $600,000 a year in 1960s dollars to to do the research and development. So I think most of the articles that I saw were more in a round of like, can you believe what they're spending their money on in the sixties? Right. Um, right, As opposed to like, because I'm sure there's no irresponsible spending. Yes. Yes. (laughs) To whoever. I mean, I don't feel like this is irresponsible spending. I think this is amazing. (laughs) When you first said animal partners, I got really scared. Julie, do you think that they're still using what, what would you theorize? I, bet you that at least once there has been some sort of surveillance done by a dolphin. I, Oh yeah. I'm going to say absolutely. I mean, they have, they have, they have a decent range. They like you hear oftentimes about like they have good relationships. So I think if you had the right trainer and the right dolphin, they could really work together much like, you know, um, dogs and people work together in law enforcement. Like, right. Right. Yeah. I think Mm -hmm. it it wouldn't be that crazy. And if it was costing like $5 million a year to have swimmers do something and they were like, or we could attach a camera to a dolphin. I yeah, I'm sure they tried it at least once. They had to. Yeah. Yeah. Agree. Great topic. Yeah. (laughs) I, uh, I'll be thinking about that. I'll probably be Googling it and thinking about it for days to come. Do it. And like when you're on that CIA website, take a look at some other things too. It's just, yeah. I didn't really realize how, and, and you're right. There might be just a time associated to certain things where they have to. And obviously sometimes they are pressured into releasing certain documents. So, um, mm-hmm. so they do. And uh, there they are. I mean, sure. They could be fake, but I don't know. Like some of them have like handwriting on them. They're, it, it's, oh no! I mean, the CIA. What would be the point in doing a fake dolphin report? <laughs> to throw people off. Yeah, that's true. Throw people they off were... the cat trail. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, I mean, I, I know it's war related, but I still feel like there's a little bit of a smile on my face from that story, Julie. But uh, Kate, do you have some good news for us today? 
I do. And so as we have been talking, there has Mm. been a grand unveiling happening in Chestermere, which is just outside of Calgary, for what is called a newly painted crosswalk called the Memorial Walk to honour Canadian veterans. And why this is such a good news story is because, as I was mentioning, I'm on I'm a part of the Association of Administrative Professionals, and on the executive mm-hmm. board, the pre- our president, Krista Hebert, was the, her and her good friend live in Chestermere, and this was their brainchild, and it was a COVID project, and she saw it through um, and watched it come to fruition, and today they were doing a grand unveiling. It got some publicity. It's been on the news, if if you guys were watching CTV um, over the weekend. Well, it's been on various news channels, but just a really cool thing, and uh, yeah, I just wanted to share it, and you can certainly check it out online. It's uh, pretty cool, and I'm just, I'm really proud to know her. She's a great person, um, and just kind of a reminder of, you know, why not? There's lots of things, you know, that, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, just yeah. kind of a reminder that, yeah, I don't know. You could think of something and make it happen. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, what, what visually, like what's visually different? Is it have a sign or is the crosswalk? Oh, sorry. Painted, yeah, or? I should explain the crosswalk. So it's in between the white stripes of the crosswalk, they put huh. um, various different poppies. And so oh, it's wow. meant to really get people to kind of stop and and take a moment and, you know, just be reminded to respect and honor our veterans. And um, as a as a little memento, they put it there, they they were very strategic in kind of placing them. So you could you do not have to walk on the poppies to be respectful in that way. And um, Mm. it's just a really cool little project that I thought was was a good good news story. That's awesome. Good. Yeah. It's a, I mean, it's a beautiful way to recognize people. And it's also a really good reminder of, yeah, that people can make a difference in the world and in their own communities and stuff. Wow. What a ride today. Uh, Julie, Kate, Island Hoppers. Did you find what you were looking for? Mm-hmm.